Hello, everyone. Welcome to Next Level Coaching with Rick Rass here. I'm very excited that you're here today, and I'm even more excited that you're ready to take your life to the next level. Welcome to part three of What's Holding You Back. If you listened to part two, you already know some of the things that we talked about. For those who may have missed it, we talked a bunch about those excuses that oftentimes you hear. I don't have time, or I'm too tired, or I could never do that. I don't have anybody to work out or train with. If I can quote one of my favorite lines from my book, the more you make excuses, the better you get at making them. We talked about people struggling with motivation and the importance of learning to celebrate progress and develop process-oriented goals. Be careful. Don't believe the biggest lie in sports. We talked about handling setbacks because everybody has them. We talked about having the right perspective about making mistakes. Everybody has setbacks and makes mistakes. How you respond is the key. Your attitude will determine your altitude. I shared a couple different activities that I do with teams related to some of the material I covered, and I had several coaches contact me for more specifics in facilitating those activities. Feel free to get in touch with me. At the end of the last podcast, I spent a little bit of time talking about the commitment it takes to go to the next level, the willingness to work hard physically and mentally. Have you ever heard the phrase, hard work pays off? What about the opposite of that? An unwillingness to work hard is definitely one of the biggest obstacles or issues keeping athletes from achieving their potential. I always say it doesn't happen by accident. You've heard some of these phrases, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. There is no substitute for hard work. You get what you work for, not what you wish for. How bad you want something will determine how hard you are willing to work. If you have the burning desire to accomplish something, hard work doesn't seem like hard work. Remember the story about the sprinter in Indiana that I shared last podcast? Some people dream of doing great things while others go out and do it. Obsession is a word that the unmotivated use to describe the dedicated. Preparation for tomorrow is hard work today. Bruce Lee said that. In one of my favorites, The Harder You Work, The Harder It Is to Surrender by Vince Lombardi. These statements and quotes are more than just words that have been used by many. They are the truth. High school coaches frequently express this concern by saying they want to win, but they don't want to work. They want to be champions, but they don't want to train like champions. Too many athletes fail to see the connection between hard work and the desired outcome. They fail to recognize that when the time to perform comes, the time for preparation is gone. I don't hear it at all from college coaches, since most of their athletes are there as a result of hard work. I'd love to be able to wipe out the damaging misconception that hard work isn't fun. This isn't just about athletics. It is a cultural perspective towards hard work. Too many people want things and opportunities handed to them without doing what is necessary to acquire them. This perspective is baffling. I challenge just about every team I work with to think about it. I tell them, don't take my word for it. Just look around and watch people, whether it's in practice, in the classroom, watching people work at a store or restaurant. You'll find this to be true. The people who are working the hardest are always having the most, and they fill in the blank, fun. I've never had to give the answer away. Everybody always knows the answer is fun. Why is it that we tend to avoid hard work when everyone knows that the people who are working the hardest are having the most fun? It is a mystery to me. I think of it like the eighth wonder of the world. Why wouldn't any athlete want to work hard? 
Those who are sloughing, slacking, taking the easy route, or doing as little as possible aren't having much fun, they're not very successful, and they never find out what they really are truly capable of. In my elementary gym, one of the walls has a big sign that says, the harder you work, the more fun you have. I hope that's one thing my students take from me. When reminiscing about athletic days, it is more than likely that you've heard somebody say, we could have been so good if we would have only worked harder. So many people regret not giving everything they have in many areas of their life. What are your standards at work, in school, in the weight room, or in the gym? Don't be that person who says, ah, oh, I wish I would have worked harder. Don't look back on any aspect of your life and think, I wish I would have worked harder. Being able to train physically or mentally in a highly intense fashion is something to be treasured. When I was conditioning for volleyball, I tied myself to the volleyball poles with surgical tubing on our sand courts. I'd do resistance training with agility patterns, sprints, and other movement skills until my legs felt like rubber. I would pick the hottest days to work on my jump serving and hitting drills because I wanted to be ready. I wanted to train harder in practicing skills and conditioning than I would ever have to play when competing. Then I knew I would be ready. I loved it. One of my favorite challenges related to hard work is the four-way tug-of-war. It is intense and nothing but hard work. Instead of traditional tug-of-war, four teams pull in four different directions. The four teams truly compete against each other instead of working together like most of the team-building activities. I tell them to think of the other three teams they compete against like the teams that they would really like to beat that they play against. Even after two minutes of intense polling, seldom does a team get to the cone unless one or more of the other players just give up. The most often asked question following this intense challenge is, does anybody ever win? The second most asked question is, can we do that again? Years ago, I did this challenge with the Minnesota Gopher women's hockey team. They were national champions that year. About a minute into the challenge, one of the athletes yelled out, this is impossible. No one's ever going to win. My response was, go ahead, you can quit. Just drop the ropes. When I said that, some of them actually did drop the ropes, but as soon as they dropped the ropes, they realized that not everyone was quitting, so they went back at it again. If I give each group unlimited time, obviously somebody would eventually get to the cone. What are the characteristics of a team that would win? Determination, hard work, teamwork, strategy, strength, communication, perseverance, and so on. My favorite response, however, is the team that wants it the most. In the competitive realm of athletics, who wants it the most is not about beating the team that you really want to beat. Who wants it the most is all about the off-season, pre-season, every single drill in practice, every single minute of practice. Who wants it the most? It's all about creating a habit of intensity, giving everything you've got, not some of the time, part of the time, but all the time. When you enter the practice or competitive environment, you make a choice. How hard are you going to work? I stated in another podcast that the entitlement issue is one of my biggest pet peeves. I think part of the reason that it bothers me so much is sometimes at the high school level, there are upperclassmen that assume they should start just because they're juniors or seniors, when in actuality, some of the younger athletes are putting in so much time and effort and working so much harder than they are. Got to earn it, and it's got to happen with hard work. Back to the four-way tug-of-war, just in case you're curious. The longest I've ever let a team go on four-way tug-of-war, 23 minutes and 27 seconds. 
10 minutes into it, I was so impressed with how hard they were willing to work. I said, let's call it a draw. I'll give everybody free t-shirts for working so hard. I assumed everybody would say, sweet, free t-shirts. It was the opposite. No way. We're not giving up. 13 minutes later, somebody finally got to the cone. By that time, there were several guys whose calluses on their hand had ripped open. There was blood all over the ropes. It was awesome. I had to throw the ropes away, and that three-quarter inch multi-line is not cheap rope. I challenge student-athletes all the time with the hard work test. If you pick a subject in school that you don't like very much, make a commitment to work as hard as you can at that particular subject, and you'd be surprised at what happens. Number one, you're going to be more successful. And number two, that subject might become one of your favorite subjects, and you'd be surprised at how much you enjoy it. Hard work is a choice that eventually becomes a habit. When you establish the habit of intensity, you're in business. Athletes will begin looking for things they can do to take it to the next level and working hard to accomplish those things. This is when athletics and teams start drawing a connection between dreaming of doing great things and actually doing them. Think of your favorite inspirational movie. It likely contains elements of hard work. Preparation and hard work are the keys. I like to ask athletes the following question. How many of you came into this season the best shape of your life? Occasionally, an athlete has trained hard, and that athlete rarely says anything, but everybody else says, oh yeah, Jamie, unfortunately, is an exception rather than the rule. Starting a season in the best shape of your life would be a great sign that you're ready to go to the next level. Do not be led astray. Hard work rocks and is a key to taking your performance to the next level. Any athlete who has not developed the skill of goal setting or recognized the significance of celebrating progress will have a hard time working hard on a consistent basis. Hard work needs to establish roots and have a solid foundation. Otherwise, the winds of complacency will blow you right into the comfort zone. Look into stories about people who have been successful. Somebody observing may think, ah, oh, that person is so talented. However, once they start digging into an athlete's history, they find out that it is nothing but hard work. This is so true in any aspect of life. Take your passion and make it happen. Match your effort with your dreams. It won't happen without hard work. Don't think, I have to train. Think, I get to train. Feel the rush. There's nothing better than that feeling that comes after a great workout. Another sign that I have in my gym wall is feel the rush. My students know very well that I'm drug-free, but on one occasion, I tried to explain to my third graders that I was on drugs, and I talked to them about endorphins. It's not a drug that you take, it's not a pill, it's not a needle, anything that you drink, but it's secreted by the hormones in your body when you work out, and it produces a natural high. I thought I was good with the explanation that I provided, but the following Monday I came to school and my principal came down to visit me and said that she had three calls from parents that were concerned about me telling their kids that I was on drugs. We both had a good laugh and I made sure that I clarified what I said to the students. But really think about it. You always feel better after a great workout. Don't miss out. What about fear as something that holds people back? Patricia Nixon, former first lady, said, You can't underestimate the power of fear. In my podcast, The Biggest Lie in Sports, I touch on the subject of fear, and I'm likely to repeat myself in some fashion, but that's okay, because this is huge, since the grips of fear are so debilitating. Fear is definitely one of the top three inhibitors of athletic performance. 
In athletics, it could be a number of things. Fear of failure, fear of not being the best, fear of being the best or standing out, not wanting any attention drawn to yourself, fear of injury, fear of making a mistake or blowing it, fear of making a fool of yourself, fear of not meeting somebody's expectations, your teammates, coaches, parents, fear of letting your teammates down, fear of losing, it's huge. I played many volleyball teams that should have destroyed me, but I watched many of them beat themselves because of the fear factor. For me, it was fun playing in the moment while they were consumed with concerns about the potential outcome. They were afraid of losing. I would estimate that more than 90% of athletes in competitive situations are performing in the state of fear. That would be 90% of those who want to win. There are some involved in sports who really don't care about the outcome at all. If that is the case, it might be a different type of fear, or maybe fear isn't even on their radar. Many participate in sports at a younger age for social reasons or because their parents want them involved. They may not invest much in terms of effort physically or mentally in practice or training, so without much investment, they don't stand to lose anything either. An athlete with high levels of drive and determination can't relate to this type of mindset. If you have seen the movie Dodgeball, Kate, played by Christine Taylor, is a bank employee who visits a gym called Average Joe's when they are behind in payments by 50000 She isn't too impressed with the lack of record-keeping and says to the gym owner, Peter LaFleur, played by Vince Vaughn, is it strictly apathy or do you really not have a goal in life? Vince Vaughn says, I found that if you have a goal, you might not reach it. But if you don't have one, you are never disappointed. And I gotta tell you, it feels phenomenal. She says, I guess that makes sense in a really sad way. Unfortunately, many young people in athletics take on an I don't care attitude, sometimes verbally expressing the lack of concern about the outcome when in actuality it might be a defense mechanism to protect themselves. They'll never be disappointed if they don't have a goal. It might be something related to fear of failure, fear of not being the best, fear of not meeting somebody's expectations, or the fear of losing. Fear in some degree may be unavoidable. The main difference between successful and unsuccessful people is how they handle those pressure moments and fearful situations. How do you perform under pressure? Scott Hamilton, Olympic gold medalist in figure skating, said under pressure people perform 15% better or worse. Peyton Manning said, pressure is something you feel when you don't know what the hell you're doing. Lou Brock, legendary base runner, said, show me a guy who's afraid to look bad and I'll show you a guy you can beat every time. There are a lot of people who perform better and those who perform worse under pressure. If it were 15% better or 15% worse, that's a 30% swing. One way or another, for some it might be higher. If you've been around athletics for some time, I'm sure specific games, matches, races, or other performances come to mind. What creates that pressure? Fear. What are we afraid of anyway? Most fear in athletics is generated from the concern about the outcome of whatever we're involved in. Early on in my podcast, I wanted to establish the difference between the pursuit of excellence and the pursuit of winning because of the role both of them play in the ability to perform at the highest level. The bottom line, if you are overly concerned about the outcome, it is unlikely that you'll perform at the highest level and it takes the fun right out of your experience. The more you are able to dismiss thoughts about the outcome, the more fun you'll have and the better you'll play. 
When you are having fun, it changes the pressure situation into a fun one. Think of it. What good can come out of worrying about the outcome? In my introduction podcast, I shared a little bit about our challenge course. In our backyard, we have 10 acres, a 60-foot four-sided climbing tower, and seven high elements in the trees. Teams who visited our challenge course split their four-hour experience into two segments. We did low initiatives on the ground first, and then the high elements, which involved putting on a harness and climbing. When teams sat on the bench around the fire pit in the beginning, I would give them a heads-up on what they would encounter during the training. Since we followed the universal rule challenge by choice, no one was ever forced to do anything. When I explained the high elements in detail, some would squirm in their seats. The high elements were a great way to get athletes to see how fear could affect their performance. There were times when some of the participants were immobilized just because of the thought of getting up on some of the elements. Fear is an acronym for false evidence appearing real. Even if I mentioned that hundreds of people had walked across the catwalk, which is a telephone pole suspended 25 feet in the air, or one of the other high elements without an accident, it didn't take away the fear. Many things can play a part in formulating an unrealistic fear response. Do you tend to see the positive or negative side of things? How we perceive our future and our past sets the stage for how we respond at any moment. With most fears, negative self-talk is lurking around the corner. More than once I was on the zipline platform with someone who couldn't get themselves to step off. I had established a repertoire of suggestions over the years to encourage people to take that step and get out of their comfort zone. When they would finally go for it, they would scream with excitement all the way down the zipline, and many would run back yelling, I want to do that again! Fear often holds us back from experiencing the exhilaration that comes from getting out of the comfort zone. The high element that probably caused the most fear was a leap of faith. The participants would climb up a pole, then walk out to the end of a platform on the pole, about six feet long and about a foot wide. From there, they would have to jump off the platform in an attempt to grab a trapeze bar suspended from a cable in front of them. I remember one college football player who weighed at least 300 pounds, and he was solid. He walked out to the end of the platform. His legs were shaking so bad that the whole platform started to shake. He backed up three times to the pole to try to regain his composure. Eventually, he jumped, but he wasn't able to grab the bar because he grabbed onto the climbing rope connected to his harness. It is pretty hard to perform when fear gets the best of you. The last summer we were open on our challenge course, we had three bathroom accidents on the leap of faith. You may not see an athlete's legs shaking to your performance, but fear can have a devastating effect on their performance. Parents and coaches can play a significant role in an athlete's mental state when it comes to the fear factor. This frequently happens when parents or coaches put too much emphasis on winning. I'll touch a little bit more on that later. Planning and preparation are keys. When you can stick with a plan and not worry about the outcome, it frees you to play up to your ability. I love to challenge athletes and coaches to make sure that they have a plan in terms of level of performance that they're striving for. Too many want to win, but they have no idea what level of performance they're trying to obtain. How good do you want to be at what you do? I love what Aaron Rodgers, quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, said about preparation. He said, for me, it's always been about preparation. And the more prepared I can be each week, the less pressure I feel and the more confident I am. 
As your confidence grows, it's only natural that the pressure you feel diminishes. Exactly. John Wooden may be one of the greatest coaches of all time. 10 national championships in 11 years at UCLA with the men's basketball program. What I loved about Wooden, he never talked about winning. The mark of the greatest coaches is winning without having to talk about it. Wooden talked about the pursuit of excellence, always striving for a higher level of performance. It's not much different than taking it to the next level and celebrating progress. Execute. Execution. Do what you know you can do. With the right perspective, winning takes care of itself, and that is fun. Preparation is one of the best ways to beat fear. If you prepare and study for a test, you'll look forward to taking that test because you know you are ready. When we invest in the preparation process as an athlete, it only helps in developing confidence in our performance, as Aaron Rodgers said. A more confident state of mind is less likely to fall prey to the fear factor. Hours and hours of practice playing in those pressure situations. I remember years ago being invited to a beach tournament, a sand volleyball tournament. I was going to play the winner of that tournament in the sand. When I got there, I found out that the organizer of the event had stated on the flyer that whoever won the tournament played me, and if they beat me, they would get double their prize money. I told them, I said, I never agreed to this. During the first game, the other team was up 7-1. to one. And the look on Ron's face when I went back to serve once, like he had seen a ghost. And I remember him saying, Rick, what's going on? And I said, it's not over till it's over. Execution. When the emphasis is placed on the pursuit of excellence, it is all about execution. And athletes are able to focus on the process and their performance rather than on the outcome of an athletic event. They're able to think and play in the moment instead of letting fear get the best of them. When the emphasis is placed on the process and not the outcome, fear loses power. The more we develop this state of mind, it becomes less likely that fear will affect our performance and it's much more enjoyable. This does not mean that they don't care about winning. Not a chance. They care as much as others about wanting to win, but they are able to stay in the right frame of mind. Winning is a great goal. However, if it becomes a main thing, fear will choke out the ability to focus all the time. Fear and focus are nearly incompatible with each other. They don't really coexist very well. If the fear factor increases, your ability to focus diminishes. If the ability to focus improves, the impact of fear will diminish. Here are a few of the things that can happen when the fear of losing sinks its ugly claws into an athlete. They lose their rhythm, they lose their timing, they lose their touch, negative self-talk kicks in, their confidence dwindles, doubt enters into the picture, their breathing is affected, their ability to relax diminishes, they get tense, they get tight, there's an increased amount of sweating possibly or dry mouth, elevated heart rate, blood pressure, the ability to visualize is distorted, they often lose the ability to anticipate what their opponent may be doing, they slip into the panic mode. They become consumed with concerns about the outcome, and they're not able to play in the moment. The list above is long, and its effect on performance is strong and can be devastating. How do you feel about Tom Brady? I've wondered often about the Deflategate investigation. If there is guilt at all in that situation, the officials, the referees, had to be involved as well. Many of those people officiating have been doing it so long, maybe 25, 30 years, and in between every down or play, they take the ball and place it on the field. 
like a teller at the bank being able to recognize counterfeit bills, don't you think that they could recognize a ball that's been tampered with? Anyway, Tom Brady, whatever you feel about him, you can't deny his ability to stay focused under pressure situations. For athletes who train themselves to be focused and play in the moment, the game slows down. In a fraction of a second, they may be able to notice things that others couldn't when they are in the panic mode. For them, the moment, game, race, or event flies by and they end up asking themselves, what just happened? If you're an athlete, I hope you practice with your game face on all the time. Put yourself in game scenarios. It is important to recognize fear for what it is. It doesn't help to run from it or pretend it doesn't exist. If we take some time to look at the list of how fear can affect us, think about how even 1-2% to can change your performance for better or worse. It can make a difference between clutch performance and choking under pressure. Wouldn't you rather be the clutch performer? How do you perform under pressure? Knowing how you respond under pressure and understanding why are important keys to performance at a higher level. Think of these questions to gain some personal insight. How do you respond when pressure is on? What happens to your self-talk under pressure? Negative self-talk is often the culprit for many struggling with fear. So many of us talk ourselves out of performing at the level that we're capable of when the negative tapes start playing. The more we can replace negative self-talk with positive tapes, the less likely that fear will affect our performance. Awareness is the first step in changing our tapes, but it isn't an easy process since many of us have developed some nasty habits with poor self-talk. How often do you think about making mistakes during performance? Are you thinking, don't miss this shot, or I'm going to make this shot? In Gary Mack's book entitled The Bind Gym, he says the mind makes more mistakes than the body. In part two of What's Holding People Back, I talked a bunch about how people respond to mistakes. How do you respond to a mistake during performance? Can you move on, or do mistakes bring you down for an extended period of time? Would you want to be the one to take the shot at the buzzer or be up to bat with bases loaded, two outs, tie game? Fear only has the power you give it. Don't let people's expectations produce fear in your performance. How many times has an obnoxious parent spoiled an athletic event you've attended? They yell up from the crowd, taking on either the coaching or the officiating role. Of course, they tend to think they know everything about the game. Their self-esteem seems to be based on the outcome of an athletic event or the performance of their own child. One of the ugliest things in sports is parents living their life through their kids. Some parents are not aware of how their behavior negatively affects their son or daughter's performance and motivation. Some parents can be very aggressive, while others can be very passive-aggressive, which could be harder to deal with sometimes, because other people tend not to notice and you may not get the support needed under those circumstances. It may not be that parent at the athletic event yelling from the bleachers at all. It could be subtle comments, slight displays of disappointment, or comparisons made about siblings or other teammates. When a high school athlete gets home from an athletic event, what would you guess as the most often asked question? Did you win? If they ask how did it go, they often are looking for the outcome-related answers. What about how did you play? Was it fun? There are so many parents who truly have the right perspective, and unfortunately many who don't. It is a sad thing when a parent's self-esteem hinges on the outcome of their son or daughter's athletic event, even at the elementary age. Comments and nonverbal reactions can affect performance or even the desire to continue pursuing sport. 
We put so much emphasis on winning that it creates the fear of losing. If an athlete, parent, or coach is more concerned about winning the game than teaching the game, learning the game, and having fun, something is wrong. One of the worst parts of fear, and I've said it before, is how it takes the enjoyment out of sports. My goal as an elementary FIED teacher is to get students to love sports, games, and fitness and embrace that lifestyle for the rest of their life. I've seen many athletes stop participating completely when it is no longer fun. Fear isn't always a problem, but is often a source of problems that go unrecognized. Play and participate in sports and games for the rest of your life because it's fun. Learn to pay attention to the process. Learn to celebrate progress and winning will take care of itself. I really hope you enjoyed this podcast and I would appreciate it if you could pass this podcast on to somebody you know who struggles with the fear factor. Have a great day and have fun taking it to the next level.